Hey friend, I'm Robin May and a few of the professional hats that I wear includes being a transformational speaker, a life coach, and a licensed therapist. And personally, well, I'm a wife, a mommy to three girls, and a pastor's wife, just to name a few. Girl, I'm over here doing all the things while trying to stay in shape and keep my skin clear. But the truth is, I don't want to be known for being busy. I think that's a scheme that somebody set up. No, I want to be known for living a life that is in perfect alignment with what God intended. And I want to help you do the same. So it's with that in mind, I'd like to welcome you right here to Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Over here, we're creating a safe space to have real conversations with real women on real topics. This is a judgment-free zone where we can be vulnerable and honest and curious about our lives so that we can elevate not just what we do, but who we are. So if any of that resonates with you, again, welcome to our safe space. This is Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Hey, sis, one more thing before we get started. Listen, a few years ago, I started asking women to define what happiness means to them. And when I tell you, I was shocked how hard it was for women to put into words their happiness. And the truth is, I could relate to it, girl. Life can sometimes get so crazy that it's hard to be clear on what happiness looks like and feels like to you. And so with that in mind, I created the absolutely free five-day Define Your Happy Challenge. I am on a mission to help 1,000 women define their happy. So if you're ready to get clear about what makes you happy, head on over to defineyourhappy.com. Okay, that's it for real now, y'all. Let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. If this is your first time here, I do not take it for granted. Thank you so much for being with me. If you are a returning listener, girl, I'm so happy to have you. Listen, if you are watching this on YouTube, hey, can you please do me a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel? When you do that, it allows YouTube to know that folks are concerned about what we're over here talking about. So please subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app, please leave a review, give your girl five stars and share this podcast with your people. Listen, I have been on pins and needles. So excited about this conversation. You know, this is intentional conversations with Robin May and friends, Nikki, I feel like I got into that every time with Robin May and friends right here. And the last few episodes have been solo episodes, but honey, I got my little sister here. I am super. Did you hear our son? I hit the note. I heard it. I need you to repeat it. I hit the note. My girl is here and I am so, so excited to introduce you all to her. You're about to be blown away by what she has to share. I'm going to share a little bit about you, Nikki, and our relationship, and then I'll give you a chance to speak. So I met Nikki when she was seven, did I say 17 or 16? You you try to say, make it 17 to make it feel better for you, but (laughs) I was 16. Right. So I met Nikki when she was 16 years old and we teased because when she ended up going to Clark Atlanta University, we would, my husband and I, my then boyfriend would yell out on the yard when anybody was trying to talk to her, she's only 17. And so we always tease about that. But I have known Nikki since she was 16 years old. At that time, I was what about 20 something, like 25? Yes. I was 25. (laughs) And so 
she has been such a little sister to me. And then what's beautiful about it, it started out as just my little sister, somebody that I was helping and encouraging. And now she has become one of my dearest friends. And my daughters look to her as Auntie Nikki. I don't know why they don't say Amy Nikki. Because, because that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> so they, this is Auntie Nikki. And I am just so grateful for how God has uniquely crafted our relationship. Mm. Honey, I'm her first lady. And I be telling her, I need you to serve me and respect <laughs> me as your first lady. But Nikki, I have told you, uh, told everybody a little bit about you, but Nikki has written a book. I mean, oh my God. I did a thing. She did a whole thing called Unplanned Perfection. What's the tagline? Finding hope beyond the disappointment of life, loss, and love. I love it. I love it. And so we are about to dive into this book. But first, I want you to introduce yourself, Nikki, to my community. These folks are great folks, so you're going to love them. But I want you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, give us your career, mm -hmm. your how many children you have, where you're from. Give us all the good. Hey, friends. Yes. I am so happy to be here. My name is Nikki, and I'm the founder of Unplanned Perfection. Um, I just wrote a little book and did a little thing, but I'm also a mom to two little people, Carter and Cadence. Um, professionally, though, I am a behavioral data analyst, and I work with children who have severe autism. Um, on the side, the real side, I love fashion. Um, I'm a stylist consultant and a children's stylist. And I love that with my whole heart. Um, I'm from Chicago. I've been a Georgia peach for a long time though. So yes. I represent the A, but home is Chicago and it's so near and dear to my heart. So. And how old were you when you moved to Atlanta? I was a freshman in high school. So when I met you, literally, so I so we met my sophomore year, but so the year after I came here. Um, but I was a freshman in high school, so I did all of my, you know, just those major years yeah. in Atlanta. Were you mad with your mama when you? Moved? I was lit. <laughs> Because you're moving your high school year. I was livid. I uh, know. And you know, and my brothers, they, the high school they had in our neighborhood, they had already went through and they were popular. So oh, like, you would have been. little sisters come in and everybody was just like, that's Trey's little sister. That's Laura's little sister. I was ready. You were ready. So I went from that to the Who new was this girl. Chick? Yes. And so that was so difficult for me. I know it was. It and was. so Mark was a what? He was a Jew. He was a year younger than me. He's younger. Yes. And why so I, we, why like I didn't know that. But so it was just Mark and I for so long because we came here first. And then my mom came. So we were with It's so nice mom. to meet you. What? You you and Mark came down here first and we everybody did. else stayed my in Chicago? My mom brought us here. Because see, my older brothers were, they had graduated. And so they stayed and did like their first couple years of college in Chicago. They didn't wow. want to come initially. And so it was Mark and I, and my mom was kind of getting stuff ready, selling our house. And she wanted to start school on time. And so she brought us here first. And we stayed with my grandma. And we were like, Wow, it was it was such a huge and y'all weren't even at the same school then because we weren't. He was still in eighth we grade. Weren't. It was such a huge adjustment for us. Wow, but I mean, talk about unplanned perfection. I okay, let's talk it. about that a little bit. So, um, I am blown away that you've written a book and not only wrote a book, you wrote a book about your life. So, tell us a little bit about what led you to decide. You know what? I need to write this book. So. First, I, I I always get stuck at that question yeah. because I never really feel like I made the choice. I've always just felt like it was something I was supposed to do. It's so 
hard to describe, mm -hmm. but I just, I've always felt like this is something you're going to do. This is something Wait, you're always, like how long, like since you were a kid? Or? No, not a kid, but I would say when I started kind of figuring out my life, mm -hmm. I always felt like, hmm, this, that, like I feel like that's something on my path. And I just, I didn't pay it too much mind because I, my life wasn't aligning with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, girl, what you going to talk about? What, yeah. you, what you gonna write a book, book about? So it was just always back burner. Mm -hmm. And I think once my life started to align mm -hmm. with it, I started to kind of take the unction a little bit more seriously um, and started to feel like, oh, like maybe this is something that I'm supposed to do. But it's it's been there for, yeah. for a while. Yeah, because it's one thing to write a book. Mm -hmm. It's another thing yes. to lay out. I mean, just... Because baby, when I tell you, you laid out your life story. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about the title, mm -hmm. Unplanned Perfection. Now we know that that's your business. So I was gonna wait to the end, but tell us a little bit about the business side of Unplanned Perfection, how mm -hmm. the name came about, like, I don't know, how the name, <laughs> how the name came about mm -hmm. and then how you tied it into the books. So when I got to this place of Unplanned Perfection in my life, I had, so, you know, we've had so many conversations about trying to, name that place and yeah. so I, I went through like this whirlwind in life mm. and I came to a place of contentment with it like mm -hmm. this was supposed to happen this is where my life is supposed to be and I realized that like people kind of get to that place and they put they, their trophies like on the shelf yeah and they're like all right made it through that put it on the shelf and just never talk about it never yeah. share it so then the next person who is going through the tornado doesn't really have a reference and i realized i wanted to share yes. my journey i wanted to be vulnerable and talk about it i wanted to give hope because i felt hopeless for such a long time mm -hmm. through that process and it was just so lonely for me you know mm -hmm. so i was trying to figure out what how can i have a name that's impactful and that is like significant for the like yeah. when someone reads it they get like this they is understand. what yes and yeah. it took so long but i think the other piece of it nikki is and this is the beauty of us being able to have this conversation because we've been in the trenches together mm -hmm. one of the things is you were always trying to plan your life yes. you were trying to i'm gonna do this yes. and then i'm gonna do this yes. and so it was frustrating very for you yes when it wasn't going the way you planned. Mm -hmm. So it was like God upended yes. it. So it's like, it's unplanned, mm -hmm. but it's perfectly what? It really, it was not 92% right. of that plan out the window. And it was cute, y'all. It was cute. <laughs> it, it was, was the white picket fence. It was everything. It was the hubby. It was, it was the life. It was, it was gonna be amazing in my head right? right and just one by one it was like nope nope snatch that and yeah. and so it was it was not my plan at all and to just finally get to a place where, where it's like but it's well yeah you know Ooh. and like it's so it's despite it's like all that, of that to get to the place that, that it's well like it's well it's well and what is not what still is not like it's Feel well, yes. and, it's, and it's gonna continue to be. Um, it's so like it was like I, I feel like we were doing like not perfect. I can't remember yeah. the other names. We were throwing Unperfect. so much. We were throwing out so there. many, but when I heard it, it was like, oh, that's, that's it. it. Like mm -hmm. that's it, and it just. And so it is such a testament of how God 
orders our steps and if we can just get in alignment with him. So we want to dive into the book. I'm going to read a few snippets and unpack a couple of things, but you start out the book and you give us a glimpse of your mom and dad mm -hmm. and their story. And one of the things that's so powerful about the book, and I believe that there's going to be a second edition. Watch this. Hey oh, girl, watch okay. this. <laughs> Let me tell the people what's going to happen. I believe it's going to be a second edition <laughs> of the same book mm -hmm. or a workbook mm -hmm. either alongside of it, because the thing about the book that is so phenomenal is that if people read it, hearing the story, but looking at it through the lens of their own life, mm -hmm. there'll be so many ahas. And so you start the book out talking about your mom and dad. And the reason why that's significant is we know that how we show up and what we do and how we process mm -hmm. is a direct reflection of what happened with mama them, yes. right? So you started out there. So I want to read this excerpt. Um, and I want to talk about this, this part of the book. You say this, it was just me, my mom and my brothers. Let's stop for a minute because we've mentioned that. Mm -hmm. How many brothers do you have? I have four. So my mom had four boys. One of my brothers passed away. So it's four of us now. So three brothers and me, but I grew up, I have four brothers and it was me. Okay. And you were the, uh, Mark is the youngest. So mm -hmm. it's Mark, you, and then the older brothers. Yep. Okay. So I wanted to give that context. So you say, it was just me, my mom, and my brothers. We had already experienced so much together that we were bonded like glue. We knew of her struggles to provide for us, but yet somehow we never needed for anything. This was my part right here. It was chaotic, yet it was calm. So would be the pattern of so much of my life. Mm. Tell me about that. Uh, it's, you know, just even that one of those aha moments, like when I was reflecting on childhood, it was always chaos. And yeah. I was always just, whew. You know, I mean, it, it just, it never, I was never like really a reflection outwardly mm -hmm. of what was going on. But, you know, my mom was a single mom and mm -hmm. she, we, there were, there were times like our lights were out. We mm -hmm. never, you know, I'd look back, like we never really had like a home phone. We really? never had no, we never had cable. And cell phones weren't like. It wasn't a thing. Like we would just talk to our friends at school the next day. And so when my brothers got older, they got cell phones. They got mm -hmm. jobs, they got cell phones. And me and Mark was like on their cell phone. They yes. Because then you run up minutes. Minutes. Back then. it wasn't free. <laughs> yes. It was not free. Um, but so we just, it was always like, what's going to happen? How was she, she, it always worked out, but it was always that tension of mm -hmm. how is it going to work out? How are we going to get this? What's this is, is this going to be on or off? But she, my mom also just crafted this home life and this relationship with my siblings and I that it always felt safe. Mm. So it was always like, I know we have each other. Mm -hmm. So chaos all the chaos way out here. all around, but still like the calm of like home love, like we have each other. I never questioned that bubble yeah. you know so yeah. that's that and that was literally my childhood just mm -hmm. it was always something going mm -hmm. on and mm -hmm. I was always kind of escaping to that bubble in a sense yeah mm -hmm. and you talk about that that has played out throughout your life mm -hmm. and talk to me a little bit about that when chaos is going on around you what do you normally do and right on into the shell like a tor like a tortoise okay yeah. and it's it, it literally is my safe place and I don't know that I before writing the book really realized that that's been my coping mechanism yes all of my life yes but it is 
once it starts to build, I feel myself. Like mm -hmm. if this is my normal level, this is Nikki on a day-to-day -day basis. Once this starts building, I feel myself going, doo -doo -doo. Yeah, you shut down. Like sh bringing it all the way down to robotic and <laughs> to try trying to level out the chaos. Yes. It's, it, and I don't think about it. I yes. I, and I literally watch you do it. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting is we have really intense and in-depth conversations. Mm -hmm. We've shared a lot about each other's lives, but there was some aha things in this book that I was not aware of. And it was like, Oh, <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> I now know. But what's it, I'm getting ahead of myself on this, but what's interesting is not only when you are starting to feel that how you begin to shut down, but I've noticed if people around you, mm -hmm present with too much chaos or too much extra or too much rah-rah, you retreat from that. Yes. Yes. It feels, and I would say I feel more anxious with the, like I, with me, I'm like, oh, I can level that right on out. Mm -hmm. But when I can't control, like when someone else is in, is in chaos or in crisis mm -hmm. and I can't, level them yes, I'm like just... okay okay I got I can't and it I don't and it's not even like that I'm not concerned about yes. what's going on with people around me it just feels very I get immediately anxious mm -hmm. just all the things that I'm not comfortable with yeah and you don't do I'm not and you're not a natural person. right no. you're not a naturally so anxious person I'm not comfortable now your girl is your girl is yes <laughs> and so but that's so interesting and I think you know, we keep it real here on Intentional Conversations. Yeah. And I think you and I have talked about, because one of the things, the episode before this one, we talked about, well, two episodes ago, I talked about safe spaces. Mm -hmm. And I talked about how you have to have safe spaces with people where they can be honest and real with you. Mm -hmm. And so I have told you before, Nick, that shutdown that you do, I've told her before, girl, it, it can land with people mm -hmm. like, like you don't care yes. because you, baby, you don't play when yes. you start. But, but that's the beauty of relationships because as we began to unpack your story, I understood better. It. Yes. And I understood better. Cause yeah. let's be clear. I, I start like, I, I give myself just a, a higher level of grace after writing this. Mm. It, it just, it all come, it all came together in a way that oh, I, I don't love that it's ever come together. Like I know, of course I know my story. I know the pieces, but it was like, wowzers, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just like, Nikki, you, you're good. Yeah. You're doing amazing. And, and God is good. And again, all of this, like it's it's so well because it's been well after after chapter one. It was well after Girl. chapter two. It was well after chapter six. Are we finna have a praise well. break? It's gonna be well in 2024, you know. And just that, just assurance that I feel like I need, and I didn't even know that I needed. But I'm not gonna but, do a sit here and cry on this podcast because you're not. Nikki, I'm about to cry. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to cry. Let me get myself. I'm so serious because that just touched my heart. You said it was well after chapter one, mm -hmm. it was well after chapter two. It's going, to be, it's well. going to be well. And the other thing you said that just resonated with me is you said, I give myself so much grace now after reading it because you know, oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. Cause I was about, let me say this. So one of the things that when you talk about giving yourself grace is that you were not aware of how impactful some of your experiences mm -hmm. were on how you were showing up. 
Oh, not at all. And because you talk about how there are things in the book that like we haven't even talked about it. And we have talked about everything. Everything. And the thing about it is not even like me being like, oh, I'm not sharing. Right. It was just like, that wasn't significant. You know, like, I I mean, it's like, to me, it's like you getting into a fight in third grade and me finding out you never told me that story. (laughs) It's like, girl, why would I ever bring up the story in third grade? You know, and it really is like, pack that up. And put it over there. You know, Kim and I, my sister and I call it, and I use this saying with my girlfriends all the time, my sister and I call it putting it on the shelf. Baby, you you put some stuff on the shelf. And and here's Fortress. (laughs) It's a fortress. (laughs) And so, and here's the thing, when I talk about there are things in your story that I didn't know, it's not that I feel like I have to know everything. I'm just saying the level of our relationship. Naturally. Yeah, some of the things that I just did not know really, really brought awareness to me about how you show up okay so after you talked about your parents you went there and you began to share about a very traumatizing Mm -hmm. life experience i'm choosing not to say what that traumatizing Mm -hmm. life experience was because i want people to get the book yes get the book head on over to unplanned is it.com yes unplayerperfection.com mm-hmm. head on over online. there online.com to get the book so i'm not going to say what the traumatic experience was but from that traumatic experience you developed two mindsets that mm-hmm. you talk about in the book so i'm going to read um oh, i'll just give a summary of one of them the first was that you experienced um a back and forth relationship with God Mm -hmm. after that traumatic experience and then other experiences in your life. Mm -hmm. This trauma happened and then other trauma-based experiences happened. And you talk about how that produced this back and forth, up and down, frustrating relationship with Mm -hmm. God. So my mom, so when my parents separated, my mom really got into church and she just, need like she dived into her relationship with God and of course like we were exposed to that we went to children's church we went to prayer we went well we didn't do the revival did you do the <laughs> we well <laughs> sort of you know we have a girlfriend hey girl hey girl <laughs> hey girl we have a friend who was in church every they single we have two friends listen we have two friends who were in church Monday through Sunday. That wasn't. I want to be clear. We love Jesus. But we went home. Okay. We, we was there on Wednesday. They spent the night. We wasn't spending the night at all. Oh, you remember what they would be talking about? Ooh, we would have our lockers and we beat that out all night. We were like, oh, well, because we packed it up. So we love Jesus, though. We knew he. We knew he yes. loved us. Yeah. But I was. I, I would be me deep into it. Like, I would be like, okay. And so you hear these phrases like, mm-hmm. he's on time, you know, he rescues you. Yes. All you got to do is call, he'll answer, and just all this stuff. And I took it very literally as mm-hmm. a child mm-hmm. and, and I believed it. Mm-hmm. And so when I got into a situation and I'm like, he's going to rescue me. Like, cause mm-hmm. that's what they that's said. That's what they said, yeah. And that's what I believe. And not only that's not what they, I mean, I'm hearing testimonies at church and I know he's he did it for them and he did it for so-and-so and why, why aren't you showing up for me? Right. And so it was, I, I went into like this whole fairness thing with God. Cause again, yes. when I grew up, 
all of my close girlfriends um, from church and stuff, they were they were raised in two family homes mm-hmm. and they had very stable childhoods. And so I'm growing up and I'm seeing my close friends experience a life that I'm not experienced. Mm-hmm. And then I go through like this trauma and I'm like, and you're not showing up for me. So again, my literal child mind is like, then I must not be good enough. You know, mm-hmm. I must not be worthy of this that you're doing for other people yeah. that you're not doing yeah. for me. And so, ooh, so God and I was like on this fairness. Yeah, girl, I want work. you to lean in the, about that fairness, honey, because mm-hmm. we have tussled about this fairness and God. So mm-hmm. you you felt like God is not being fair to you mm-hmm. because he's doing this for other people, yes. right? And I felt like, why why are you showing up for them in mm-hmm. this area? Mm-hmm. And you know, like, I want, I need that as well. Yeah. And why are you withholding that for me? That's it, Nikki, that's it. That's what we have talked about for years. Mm-hmm. That's the piece right there. And I want you, as you're listening to this, to consider what the dynamic has been with your relationship with God. Um, And I'll share in a minute what mine has been so that you'll now have two perspectives to help you figure it out. But that piece right there, when you said, um, say it again, I I lost it that quick. Yes, withholding. Mm -hmm. You often struggled with feeling like God was dangling yes. the thing in yes. front of you like, and like, you're not, not cooking, cooking up. up like that. Like, <laughs> that guy yes. <laughs> Every time you see it. And once you get that perspective, your yes. life will align yes. with yes. it perfectly. Like, let's the do it again. Enemy the enemy will, will create situations. Let's do it again. Oh, she's church. Do it again. He will create. And so that is the reason why. Okay, let's put a pin in it Mm -hmm. to talk about this. So I want to take a pin, put a pin in it to say this. When you talk about how once you get a certain mindset Mm -hmm. that is very hard to shake it and the enemy will confirm it over and over again. So that is the reason why in friendship, it is hard for me when a friend is venting something to me or going through, you know, this is the frustrating thing people have about me as a friend. They they get so annoyed because it's hard for me to co-sign this functional thinking Mm -hmm. for that very reason, because I know if I co-sign it, I'm reinforcing it and it's too dangerous and it's too hard to undo. Okay. So you had this uh, Geico commercial relationship with God. You got to be quick enough. So one of the challenges I've had in navigating my relationship with God, you know this, and I'm just sharing it with you all so that you can consider your own. I'm telling you, this book is such an aha to help you understand you. I've had this relationship with God, particularly when it comes to um, resources that I need, whether it is a relational resource or a financial resource, that if it's not showing up in my life, I assume it's because I'm not working hard enough. Mm. So then I go into overdrive, working harder and doing more and creating this and working on this. And Okay, okay. Mm. And so then I stay in this constant, almost panic or mm. hustle. Mm. Um, and so when people tell me, you don't know what happened, there are plenty of people who wait, make way more money than you and they don't work anywhere near as hard as you. I'm like, well, how does that work? Because yes. my relationship with God sometimes is predicated on how hard I work, yes. not to get his love, but often to get provision. Yes. 
And so I want you to think about what has been the currency of your relationship. So that started way back when you were five, six, yes. seven. Yes. And right. so, and then it's just been confirmed by mm -hmm. the enemy distorting mm -hmm. situations. Yes, over and over and over again. And it, I mean, it happened so like, hmm, like why? And even when I am trying to, when I would try to embark on a faith walk, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it just, it would be like almost immediately like, so, so I don't have to work that hard. So, so I don't have to do all that. Like why, 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 why you gotta be doing all that? Yes. Must not be good enough, but wow. didn't work out that time, you know? And, and so your message, your underlying message is that you were not good enough. That I was not good enough. That, that I wasn't good enough for him to, you Bestow know, these up. blessings, yes, yes, show all, all these good things for me that, you know, my six-year-old friends wasn't working hard <laughs> yes, for, you know, yes. they didn't have to, I felt like I had to prove myself yes. and I just did not understand that at all. And so it just, it grew and you know, that fairness thing, oh my goodness, you, it grew into just resentment yes. and this volatile back and forth, you know, okay, so I would be resentful, angry, shut down from him mm -hmm. for, for periods of time. And then of course, like there is this pull mm -hmm. always. And so I'm always be pulled back. Mm -hmm. And then it's okay. I'm put that in the back of my, my mind. I'm a, I'm gonna be faithful. You know, I'm going to prove myself once again, once again. And it, it's never enough. Right. You know? Cause it's because, not because about you're not, you don't have to prove your worth. To it was sealed already. at the cross, baby. At the cross. And so this is su such a good conversation. And one of the things that would happen, and, and, okay, we're going to be real, real, real quick. Okay, Nikki, I'm going to... Go ahead, put me out there. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody ain't be ready to be vulnerable like me. I'm going to put you out there. So, and it's not, the reason why I shared mine is so that we can, so we can all keep it real. But what would happen is even when you would hear the preached messages, it would go through depending on what was being preached, it would go through the filter of work harder, love God, not even work harder the way I do, but just um, show up, do do everything yes, perfect, yes. do everything right. And what I was about to say about putting you out there, I'm not going to put you all the way out there, but I think we both can say that even when you begin to get the aha, that that's not what the relationship has to be, whatever your thing is, it's so ingrained that it is very, you have to keep going in there to pull up the wings. I mean, is so ingrained like to it's not this conscious right. i am going to consciously combat the word i am going to yes. consciously it is so like doo, 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 just creeping right on up yes. it feels like truth it feels very natural yes. you have all this evidence yes. to support you know and so you literally are fighting i feel like oh my goodness just a fight for mm -hmm. your life yes to, pull out those distortions to get rid of the distortion i'm gonna tell, tell i'm gonna tell your pastor on you her pastor happens to be my husband and when he up there preaching she will text me and say i'm so sick of your husband I am, cause leave me alone <laughs> leave me alone that, that's what i gotta battle with doing like, service i'm sorry <laughs> my friend's getting mad at the husband because like, and he she's teasing when she does it Sort of because, because a lot of times our filter hears it that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I said you had this traumatic experience. I'm not telling what the experience was, mm -hmm. but one mindset came. It was this challenging relationship with God. The second one came that you said as you began to idolize the life of other people and idolize what they had versus mm -hmm. what you had. You particularly began to idolize your father. Mm -hmm. And you say this in the book. 
I still imagined talking about her dad, her mom and dad are now divorced. Mm -hmm. She's her mom is raising her and her brothers. You said, I still imagine that he was a loving and consistent father. I imagine that I would have a happy life with him. I would fantasize about him being at my sporting events and my school ceremonies. My idolization of him was so strong that it drowned out the reality. And then you tell the story of how this is the first time you can remember the distortion and how it would haunt you for years when mm -hmm. you said not feeling good enough. Mm -hmm. And you talked about the story of your mom dropping y'all off yes. to the house. Tell that story. Yes. So mom, so she she wasn't getting every other weekend, okay? She was wow. getting Monday through Friday and the weekends with four kids. And so she would have these moments and where she would be like, I need a moment. I need a mm -hmm. break. And she started doing it more intentionally as we got older. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we would go to Mississippi. Uh, we have fam we have family there. That's where my dad is from. Mm -hmm. And we would go for the summer. And other times she would be like, she would drop us off at my great aunt and my great uncles. And mm -hmm. nobody was available during this time. And so she just sat us down. She said, I'm going to take you to your dad's house. And she was like, I need a break. I know he's going to be there. I know y'all going to be fine. And the, the caveat too is my brothers were older at mm. that time. So she felt like y'all will be just They're going to look fine. out for they're, the younger yes, ones. Yeah. They're going to look out. Even if he ain't there the whole time, y'all mm -hmm. going to be okay. Right. But she was just like, this is the thing. I'm going to pull off. She was like, but I'm not going to be gone. Like, don't freak out. I just know that if I stay, my car stays in the front, he won't come to the door. And so I was like, girl, what? <laughs> Not my daddy. Because <laughs> he loved me. Like, I'm Because remember, this idolization yes, is going I had on. boosted him up so much. Mind you, he's not coming to student council meetings. My mom is. He's not coming to my award ceremony. I'm not seeing him. I have nothing to confirm it other than the fantasy feels good, right? Mm -hmm. And and you just I, I just wanted to be rescued. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, this is this is what's gonna pull me away yeah. from everything. And so my mom, so she pulls up, she did, she does it, she drops us off. And I just remember feeling very like that girl, she's tripping. Yeah. Like I mean just I'm like about to prove her wrong. Like she is tripping. And we go to the door, we're knocking on the door and the first couple knocks, it was nothing. My mom is around the corner at this mm -hmm. point. And so we like, okay. And then I see like the blinds go up, right? So I, I see that he peeked out the blinds. And then you hear the footsteps down the hallway. Um, and then all the locks on the door. And oh, goodness. I, you know, those moments that you just will never forget. Yeah. I will never forget him opening the door, just the look on his face. Wow. He, I mean, he was like what are y'all doing here? Like what in the world? And y'all got your suitcases? Got my suitcase, everything. And so then, so I'm in the front of this little circle of siblings and he just kind of moved me to the side to look for my mom. And so he's looking down the, the driveway, going to the other end, going around the back. And I, that's when it sunk into me like, He's doing what my mom said he would do. Wow. He's looking for her to see if she's still there so he can give her an excuse about why he can't keep us. Yeah. And, and then when he realized that she was gone, she wasn't. When he realized she was gone, he just kind of let us in. But it wasn't this 
hey, Excited. baby. Yeah. Like, yeah. So glad to see you, you know. And so I just sat on the couch. I remember saying to myself, and, and mind you, I'm stuffing at this point because mm-hmm. I've, I've learned that. So I'm like, don't you cry. Just mm. suck it up, you know, and just kind of sit in there in his, in his front room like this doesn't feel like my dream, you mm. know. Girl. This doesn't feel like my dream. Mm-hmm. And it was another nail in the wall of I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want me. He doesn't want me. He doesn't want us here. Um, I'm not good enough for him. And it was just like, yeah, you're not, you know, wow. you're not. Wow, that story is so, you, you tell the story so well, even in the book. I feel like I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this i won't talk about this a lot but i'll say this now your dad passed away when you were um i was 22. so i will say that her and her father were able to have a real Mm heart-to-heart conversation if you want to know more about that conversation you better get the book. You better get the book. <laughs> All right. So you talk about cognitive distortions in the book, mm-hmm. and we don't want to assume that people know what cognitive distortions are. Everybody has cognitive distortions. Everybody. My best friend, Oprah, my girl, Beyonce, and Michelle Obama. Those are my people. I don't know who your people are. Whoever your people are, they have cognitive distortions. Yes. And another way to, well, let me explain. Cognitive is the way you think mm-hmm. and distorted means twisted, right? Mm-hmm. And so another way to think about it is stinking thinking and we all have some one or several cognitive distortions and so you know if you've been rocking with me on the podcast i often give you resources to help you dive into the conversation further so make sure you go to robinmayonline.com podcast scroll down to the resources and click on episode 10. i'll have a list of cognitive distortions there mm-hmm. and the way i encourage my coaching clients to use a list of cognitive distortions is to do this Give the list to two or three people you trust, people who have your best interests in mind and have them go through the list of cognitive distortions and tell you which one they believe you demonstrate. Mm -hmm. You're asking two or three people who experience you in different ways. Then you get that list back after you've also gone through the list and you compare to see what shows up the most. So one of the cognitive distortions you talk about is personalization. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to kind of talk about what personalization is. I wrote down a definition is one of the cognitive distortions where you believe that things are connected to you even when you have nothing to do with the situation right and so you said you began to deal with personalization and how whenever something happened in a relationship or how anything happened um with friendship or romantic relationships you begin to blame you yes it was it's it's literally it's it's my fault and Mm -hmm. it is a reflection of my worth it's Mm -hmm. a reflection of how I didn't or should have showed up. Mm-hmm. It's a, like it's 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 this song and dance. I didn't do good enough, yes. you know. And I I would be able to find ways that I should have mm-hmm. done something more or better. And it it is it is torture. Mm-hmm. It's torture. Absolutely. I mean, and you can connect it to every single thing. Absolutely. Every single thing, even when. You know, and distortions are so powerful because even when the evidence is so clear, it's like, this has nothing to do with you. Right. Like, right. this is all this. Right. You will find a way. You can find to one little. Make yes. that connection and take on another right. shame. Because what happens that. with cognitive distortions is that there is enough 
or truth in it. You mm -hmm. can find enough truth, even if it's a slither of truth that you hold on to mm -hmm. whatever the cognitive distortion is. So my cognitive, one of my, <laughs> one of them is catastrophizing. I am going to make a map. That's why I don't know how you do friendship with me because I think, let me ask you this. Do you think that you and I say this a lot? And so I want to know if this is true. Do you think my awareness of that helps? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Why? Yes, <laughs> exclamation. I mean, because the reality is, if, if you can't do relationships with people because of their distortions, then you can't do relationships. You can't get by yourself. You get, uh, like, go, <laughs> go in the house, close the door, right. pull the blinds, you know? But, and just our ability to be able to have those real conversations in the moment. Your ability to say to me, like, you're doing it. You're doing the Nikki. <laughs> and I need you to un-Nikki yourself yes. right now before, yes. the, you know, and yes. my ability to be like, okay, I see why you're concerned, <laughs> but we are not all about to burn. <laughs> like, yes. it's not, so it's okay. And I, so I think that is yeah. the way you navigate that. Absolutely. The ability to be able to, you know, put it all on the table for both of us. It's yes. not just me yes. or you, you know. So, yeah. So my, one of my cognitive distortions is catastrophizing. That's making a mountain out of a molehill, just taking something and making it bigger than what it is. And so I have to work very hard to not put 20 on 15. Now, what you're not going to do is tell me it's a five when I know it's a 15. Now, that's what's going to make me mad. But we don't have to put, if it's, this is what I always say. 15 is bad mm -hmm. enough. I don't have to make it 30. Mm -hmm. And so that's mine. I want you to think about yours. Go to robinmayonline.com slash podcast. So we've gone a little bit deep. I'm going to lighten it up a little bit and then we're going to go deep again. And so you talk about in the book how you went through a tomboy stage and nobody in the world is going to believe that. <laughs> do me a favor. This is, you know, we're chill over here. Lean over and get that for me. Right don't here. do that because. So look, we're on this whole little podcast. And it's my baby. We're on a podcast, right? <laughs> and I told her, I said, now, boo, you'll be able to see from here to here. I don't know what she thought. What did she think we were going to be doing when she helps me a lot with styling? And so she'll be like, Robin, and then you get you a bomb you clutch. Do? Top it off with the bag. She well, where are we talking about when I'm at church at, on a Sunday? So I'm going to go up on the pulpit like this. Just Praise the Lord, out. Saint. <laughs> so my girl bought her her clutch you can go this is not a clutch though is it a clutch it's like it's a trunk bag it's a mini trunk actually that's that's what it is <laughs> so you went through this tomboy stage I you did. were raised with uh, all these brothers how did you untomboy because you're so not a tomboy i now. am not a tomboy i mean hello but i was deep okay and not like, like wearing your brother's clothes yes, tomboy. that's what i mean like it wasn't my mom buying me big girl clothes it was me folding my clothes up putting them away and getting my brother's clothes in the morning. Um, and you know, perspective, my perspective then was I, and honestly then and for a long time was I was just figuring myself out, mm -hmm. you know, and my mom letting me navigate the stages of figuring out who I was. Mm -hmm. When I finished the book, I was like, I, I think it was also just a safe place for me, mm -hmm. like me kind of disappearing a little bit mm -hmm. and not wanting to be like cute and yes. the girl and seen and kind of me kind of hiding away mm -hmm. for a while. 
And, you know, I'm just so thankful my mom allowed me that space in that moment. I didn't know why I was doing it. She didn't know I was doing it, but she just let me be. Yeah, that has really um, influenced me. Miss Alicia, I love your mom. Miss Alicia, you have influenced me because Nikki has told me this several times as I'm raising my daughters. I often think about that, about making sure that I'm not being um, too overbearing mm-hmm. in projecting what I want them to look like. Mm-hmm. Now there is some boundaries right. I have to put in it, especially That's when it's coming up to the church. Mm-hmm. And, but I really try to do that because mm-hmm. of what you told me about your mom. Yes. And, and she allowed, and so I just built confidence in my ability to figure out how I wanted to project in mm-hmm. the world fashion wise. Mm-hmm. And so that, that stage though, I think it was, a sheltering stage for me mm-hmm. and eventually I just got confident enough to kind of fall out of it mm-hmm. and I, I after I would say eighth grade going into my ninth grade year I was like I'm kind of cute I'm cute girl yes. <laughs> I don't want to do that no more like yes and, I, and and I was just like it was just a little bit though I put it back a little bit and I would wear like overalls with like a, a fitted shirt now yeah and then I was like I'm cuter than this, you know? <laughs> yes. And so, and it just naturally evolved. And and I just came into myself. I mean, you really did. What's so, okay, so what's so amazing about it, all of us have whatever our unique gift mm-hmm. and strength is, right? And yours really is rooted in your ability to know how to present yourself in the style you want. And what's interesting, you don't care what everybody else is wearing. Like, not, it doesn't. You cost. don't care. So, for me, I'm like, I'm not walking in there like I'm going to the prom and this is church. She's like, if uh, I want to go to the I, prom yes. on Sunday morning, I, I will. If I wake up and it's giving prom, <laughs> I am going to give prom. I'm not going to be mad at you for giving sports of it. Like you can give if you wake up and you decide this is I'm getting this, this is Lakers game day and I me, I'm not projecting I'm that gala. and I'm giving that gala, baby, let me. And I, there is no, it's, there are things that I perseverate on and that I'm like, I got it. I got it. That's not one of them. It is so, it is literally unbelievable to watch. <laughs> and now it has also shown up in your business though, where mm-hmm. with um, her helping style people, I've often had to tell you, Nikki, people are coming to you because they want, because Nikki will be like, if that, if you want to wear that, I I, am very, yes. If you want to do that. And I think it's because that was just my voice, my Mm -hmm. singular voice for so long. And Mm -hmm. I've learned to find my voice in other areas as I've grown, but that was just my thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just so passionate about people using their voice to present themselves in a way that they deem, yes. you know, not what I want, mm-hmm. not what trends say, yeah. not, but like, a way, and, and that you feel good about. Mm-hmm. And so that was just so hard for me to, cause I felt like I was projecting yes. my voice yes. on other people. And I'm like, but find yours. Like, I gotta pick out a dress. I don't have time to find my voice. I need your 
I need you. I don't want to look a mess. Right. right. That's it. I love that. Okay. So we're going to go back deep. I had to lighten us up a little bit. And I want you to make sure you go to Unplanned Perfection on Instagram because you're going to see what we're talking about when we talk about your stuff. You just said something you've never um, verbalized to me that was so powerful. You mm -hmm. just said it was my singular voice. Mm -hmm. That was really powerful. Okay. Hey girl, I know you are like Robin. There is no way you are jumping in right here, but that just means that you got to go ahead and join us next week for part two of this conversation. But before you do, I have an assignment for you. As I was reading through Nikki's book, one of the things I kept telling her was, girl, your courage, your ability to be this vulnerable is going to free so many women up to be vulnerable as well. So how about you take the link to this episode and send it to one or two two of your girlfriends and tell them to listen to the episode and then you all get together and talk about your aha moments, your takeaways, how Nikki's story reminded you of a part of your story. Listen, the Bible says iron sharpens iron through intense discussion. It is in safe spaces where we have real conversation that real freedom will come. And so I want you to do that assignment, but I have one more assignment. Include us in on it, girl. DM me and Nikki to let us know your takeaway as well. That'll keep you busy until next week where we share part two of this conversation. All right, girl, I'll see you then. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Listen, these conversations are to help you live intentionally fully engaged to help you elevate not just what you do, but who you are. And listen, I am committed to being in the trenches with you. If you haven't already, make sure you head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy. Yes, girl, the academy doors are open. This is where you get to dive into further conversations on our podcast topics. We get to dive into the trenches of the life course, the course that I have created to help you create the life that you long for. And we get to have monthly office hours where you can ask me any questions you have about all of this. Girl, Life Academy is where we can do life together. So head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy.